0: On this episode, I'm in a salty mood because the Jets lost. The Ask Gary Vee Show. Hey everybody, this is Gary Chuck, and this is episode 225 of the Ask Gary V Show. Sid, good to see you. Sid works at VaynerMedia on my team. The Jets lost. I'm not in a good mood by any stretch of the imagination. It was a devastating loss. I'm angry, Thursday we played Buffalo Bills, we've been struggling with them lately, and if we lose on Thursday, literally, in three days, my season's over, of the only thing that I like in life. Sid, what's the first question? Prosper Felipe, it's over the question. Felipe? Prosper. Prosper Felipe. Hi Gary, here is Prosper from Journey to Real Life here in beautiful Neuchatel taking my morning swim after waking up. So, my question today is, how would be your approach of creating a more sustainable world with a media company? Thank you for your answer. Prosper, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I've been thinking a lot, actually, about this over the last couple of months, um, you know, impact on world. You know, I get a, somebody somebody on, whether it was on my team, or so, my family, I'm trying to think who said this to me. I don't think I realized that getting 15 to 25 emails a day in your inbox telling you that you've changed one's life that um, that I was doing, so, it's so interesting that people think like giving a $10,000 check to research for a disease or to fix an animal or put up trees is, a, is, is the way to do it. It's unbelievable how much, you know, uh, you were with me when we were just in New York where the guy's like get a tattoo and I'm like that's the easy part. Like not missing a Jets play since 82. I think people are very stuck prosper on tactics over religion and, what I, and I talk about that in business all the time. If you've been following me, you've heard that a million times but it's how I think about uh, a more sustainable world. Meaning, as a media company, as an individual, um, I think we take a lot of shortcuts. Tweeting something to support something is, is not making an enormous impact. It can make an impact, you know, you supporting something if five of your friends care how you support or if you, a celebrity and 50 people care but, but it is stunning how much more important action is over little words or tactical things so for me i think it's a day in day out thing to deploy to the things that matter and i think it's a very human game i think I like depth over width. For me, if I can impact my little circle and this whole thing, the Vayner Nation, Vayner Media, all of my inner team here, I'm impacting them on an individual basis. And then they go and impact other people. It is, I'm completely confident because I've watched it many times that the self esteem and confidence that I deploy. Andy, do you think that you're a more confident person because you've rolled with me? Yeah. And do you think that you've maybe deployed that on other people within your circle? 100%. That's the game. So I think I think my answer to your question is, as a media company, as anything else, way too many people are looking to reach too many. Go individual. It's what you're doing behind the scenes that is way more important than what you're doing optically for the PR version of how you want to position yourself to the world. This one's from Chris. Thanks, D Rock. Hey, what's up, Gary? Uh, my name's Chris. I'm out here today in the fucking boring fucking rain making content for my fixed gear, uh, blog, the e-commerce shop. Uh, my question is, lots of my fans are, let's say, under 18 years of age and don't have credit cards and cannot pay for shit that they want on my website, but they express the that they want. Uh, do I pitch to retail? And if so, uh, are there any special tactics or ways that I should go about that? Thanks. Chris, if your demo doesn't have credit cards and That's what's stopping you from selling direct to consumer. Your answer shouldn't be how do I go to retail to go to my consumers, your answer should be how do I get money from my demo to make my transaction. Meaning, whether it's Venmo or PayPal or virtual currency, You know, there's a much bigger lift, my man. One of the great things about the world today is that all of us entrepreneurs can create a Shopify account or Magento or whatever you want to and go direct to consumer. Do you know how difficult it is to get retail distribution? Do you know how much they're gonna hose you? Do you know that you're gonna make 50 cents in the dollar? Do you know that you're gonna They're gonna ask you for things like trade dollars, which is if you even want to be in our store, you have to pay us for the right. Do you know that if your product doesn't sell well in the first 30 days, they discontinue it? Do you know that you're gonna spend 94% of your time trying to knock on doors and get into the retail shop instead of actually building your community and building your business? I think that if, you know, I think at the highest level, so for so many of you, going back to the well instead of fixing the sink, which is an analogy I use a lot, maybe your whole business is broken if you can't get the money from the people that you want to get money from. Right? You know, a lot of people try to target, like a, somebody pitched me, like, I'm gonna sell to 12 to 14 year olds and they're gonna make the decision. That's the worst zone because that 12 to 14 is exactly when kids are in between, you know, their parents buying them everything, but them not being able to transact. And so I would spend a lot of time trying to figure out whether, what, Way you can collect money from them, including things like, I've always thought a fun tactic would be instead of an add to cart button, an alternative button to that audience, which is send the email to your parents to buy it. So you know you add to cart, and you know, but there's also send the email to your parents to buy this for you, and you click it, and it's got like four different templates, like the sorry one, the happy one, like you know, like what's the angle depending on your parent, um, with then a transaction link right there. You need to hack how to get the money direct from your consumer, not how to go down the traditional path of retail. This one's from Richard. Richard. Hey Gary, my name's Richard. I'm a filmmaker living here in Los Angeles. Recently you connected with Chase Jarvis and you humbly bragged that you were one of the first people to say that Vine is a great place for filmmakers to grow an audience. Just like if I was a filmmaker or a video person, I'd be very much paying attention to Vine and trying to figure out how to make six-second micro-videos that bring awareness to me, that leads me to gateway you to my YouTube, which leads you to gateway me to hiring me. It's just this evolution of opportunity. It's now 2016. Is Vine still the best platform? Or is there something different that filmmakers like myself should be looking at? Thanks, Gary. I'll see you in the Jets in week four. Yeah, I mean, look, it's... Thanks, Richard. I'm not looking forward to the Seahawks week four. Um, Though the Seahawks didn't look so good yesterday and now. Russell looks hurt. Might not play next game. Um, But they won a Super Bowl. So it's like over. Richard, um, you know, obviously Vine had its moment of attention. That's also one of the reasons, you know, one of the fun things about creating video at scale, um, as I have three screens on me right now, it'd be so fun to look at, me doing this in 1996, 7, 8, 9, 2000, 2001, email or Google AdWords. There's a lot of predictions that are right. There's also things that were 100% right that get outdated. That attention of that demo on Vine is clearly right now on Instagram stories and Snapchat stories. So I think those two places completely dominate. I also think there's some kind of old school places and here's a funny old school places, I'm a big fan of people getting into some of these Facebook communities, right, these private pages and, and, and I, you know, with other filmmakers or Hollywood types or what have you. So uh, I, Facebook groups um, uh, is an interesting little hack. I think it's just all work. Look, it's all very basic. I always layer the current state of the market on top of my general thesis which is where's the attention of the people that you're trying to reach and then how do you figure out to be creative on it? And so obviously, if everybody's listening to SoundCloud but you can't be creative in audio, you're not gonna be as successful as you are in creating long form video. Long form video of great quality on on Vimeo is going to be a different opportunity for some of the filmmaker characters here than for somebody like me who it's per, like, why do you think I've done well? Like I do well in 30, 70, 90 second quick thoughts, quick. You know, I don't know if you noticed this Larry King, uh, let's link that up actually right here. This Larry King, actually throw a little box up here showing it. This Larry King interview I did, it's so funny how some of my smartest friends have been hitting me up privately of like how great of a format that is when it's quick and witty and fast, that's what I'm good at. Like so you've got to find the medium that you're good at. And so if you're a filmmaker, there's the Steven Spielberg filmmaker and there's the filmmaker that's emerging today that understands how to make it in a Vimeo, in a YouTube, in an Instagram story. I mean, do you know how much storytelling capabilities there are in Snapchat and Instagram stories? There's so much but who's great at it? And it's a totally different skill set than making a 22 minute sitcom. Um, So the attention is very obvious. It's on Instagram, it's on Snapchat, it's on Facebook. It's there, right? It's on YouTube, it's on Vimeo. But which one of those five, as a filmmaker, can you really play in and what's the different versions? Because there's a very big difference between making a 41 minute film on Vimeo and making a great seven minute Instagram story every day on Instagram. Derek. Hey Gary, Derek from Common Man Cocktails. I have some people telling me that producing YouTube videos three times a day is too much content and you'll create more views by having content produced less, like once or twice a week. Do you think that anticipation really breeds additional views? Should I slow down my production? Derek, I think there's some truth to that. I think think about the, the amount of content we put out. I also just think it comes down to how good you are. Derek, there's some people that should make zero videos in their entire life. I mean, it just comes down to your skill set, right? So, so do do I think having a scheduled time, not filling up people's feeds, or there's some, you know, are there some tried and true things that YouTube knows from a, a big data standpoint? Yes, I do. And actually I think we break them a lot of times because I just want to. And so I don't follow every best practice um, because I don't know, I just don't and I, just, I don't want to. I'm like, I don't know what else to tell you. I just want to pump out a lot of content because I don't think of it just as a show. I think it is arc, you know, archived content. I think in a 40-year term not in a you know, four-month term. I'll be very honest with you. I'm not worried that I have 300,000 or so subscribers and I should have a million. I just don't care. There's just a lot of people that have 4 million subscribers on YouTube that are not as happy or successful as I am. That is not the metric. I think a lot of people get caught up in just the numbers. And so Derek, first and foremost, brother, I would tell you that you should do what makes you the most happy. Now, if you're trying to make money, and it's easier for me as I make money and I'm achieving what I need as oxygen to do my thing. If you need the dollars, following the best practices is a good idea. Um, I just think it comes down to you as a person. I think there's art, and I think there's science. I think there's business people and there's artists. And you have to figure out what your mix is. If you're an artist and you get excited about making three pieces of content a day, well then that's good. If, if you're a business person and you need that show to build up subscribers so you can sell sponsorship to alcohol brands, you may want to try a period of time of best practices. I'm in a really bad mood. This one's from Jenny. Hi Gary and team, my name is Jenny A. Hansen, and I'm coming at you from Utah. And my question is, do you go with your passion or do you go with what you're good at? I've been doing nails for 12 years, my grandmother did nails, my aunt did nails, and there aren't any decent nail salons in my area. So do I open a nail salon or do I go with my passion, which is more in consulting, which consulting salons would be good, but again, there aren't any good nail salons in the area. So, what are your thoughts? Thanks for the show, thanks for your work. Thanks, VaynerMedia. Media. Bye. Jenny, thanks so much for the question. Look, I mean, I'm a big fan, Jenny, and I think you know this, of practicality. Awfully hard, Jenny, to consult for nail salons where there are none. Or there are none that are good enough that would actually pay a consultant. So I think your options are you can move and go to LA, New York, Philly, you know, places where there are more. Um, Or you open a salon, you're a young lady, so I think you have time and a long career. Maybe you open up one for a little while, build up some dollars, some equity. You know, it's easy for me to say go move. Maybe you've lived in Utah your whole life, your whole family's there, everybody's there, you've got to be there. Um, You can consult virtually. You know, it is 2016. Uh, Technology has caught up. Um, You know, look, I think, you know, I wrote a book in 2009 called Crush It. And it became, it became successful and it started a huge debate in, in my ecosystem of passion over skills. I don't think uh, anybody can answer that question for any of you watching right now. Really, I, I don't. I think what you need to do is deploy as much self-awareness as possible. I do believe, it's why I wrote Crush It, it's why I'm thinking about writing a follow-up to Crush It right now. I do believe that there's nothing greater than being able to do the thing you are most passionate about. Um, and I think that if you're blessed and you're able to make the most money that way and I actually think I'm in that category, well then that's like Nirvana. Um, But I do think that a lot of people should consider, I I am of the camp and you know what? That's the question of the day. Where do you sit in this camp? In the comments, let's sit on this one. Where do you sit in this camp? Here is my theory. That if you make $130,000 a year doing something you don't love as much or at all, versus making 89 and loving it that you should always go with B. Now, people could say that's easy for you to say because I have student loans, because I have all these other headaches. I have a weird thesis that that 89 because you're so happy and you're willing to work 18 hours a day becomes 131 over time. And 130 becomes fired or flat forever. I I really do believe that passion works out that way and I'm not a secret, I'm not Oprah, I'm not like sunshine and rainbow. Especially not after the fucking Jets miss an extra point and lose by one point. I just think it's practical. I just think being happy brings a better energy and a work ethic. Listen, I don't know if you've heard, I believe in work. And I believe the easiest way to work is to fucking love it. And so. You know, I think, Jenny, you should go with your passion. I just don't think that it's practical for everybody. I think a lot of people's passion is to become the biggest rapper in the world. I think a lot of people's passion is to become a supermodel. I think a lot of people's passion is to become a professional athlete or the next great director or this and that. I think people are completely tone deaf to their actual skill sets and they make up ludicrous, unachievable goals, which then means the blueprint is broken from the get, which means they have no shot at victory. So, I think if your passion is to be the greatest rapper in the world, you should deploy some self-awareness around maybe your passion should be being around the greatest rappers in the world if you have no flow, you know? So anyway, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things, Jenny. I think self-awareness. I think recognizing you only live once, um, I, realizing how much regret is poison and just really, and really, uh, 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 Jenny, I'll give you a really good answer. Try your passion. I'll give everybody a good answer. Try your passion for two years. What's gonna happen? Your debt's gonna compound. It's not the end of the world. I mean, you can always get practical. You can always get practical. That's it? Good, I asked a question. Jets lost. You keep asking questions, I keep answering them. Podcast listeners, I really appreciate you giving me your ear. I respect it. I appreciate it. Would love, would love a review. One star, cool. I didn't bring it. Five stars, even better. Appreciate it.